Welcome to Green Beans, Mushroom Soup, and Strawberry Ice Cream. I'm your host, Mark Gladstone. Tonight, we return to an old favorite, cover tunes. Most of the artists you hear tonight will be familiar to you, but you may not be familiar with them doing these particular songs. On the flip side, maybe you thought they were the original artist. It happens often that the recording that makes the biggest splash in the music pool is not the original artist's version, but a cover of that song done by a different artist. And sometimes artists even cover their own songs in a different way. You'll hear some of all of that in this show. Pink Floyd is one of the biggest rock bands in the world, so it's only natural that other artists might cover their songs. Not surprising also, they have more than one tribute album dedicated to them. The song I'm about to play is from one of those. The album is called Pink Box, Songs of Pink Floyd, and if you're a fan, I recommend picking it up. A collection of 15 Floyd tunes from the early 70s to recent favorites, but done by almost everyone in the rock world, except for members of Pink Floyd, of course. Welcome to the Machine has always been one of my favorite Pink Floyd tunes, from the Wish You Were Here album, released in 1975. Originally sung by David Gilmour, it was basically written in the studio, starting with a low, throbbing synth note. Then Roger Waters wrote his commentary on the music industry over that. According to David Gilmour, it's the only song where the band ever used the technique of slowing down the tape in the studio. He was having trouble singing one of the notes. He doesn't mention which one, but I'm gonna guess it's, it's all right, we told you what to dream. Anyway, slowing the tape down helps because you can sing the note lower then speed the tape back up to the original speed, and presto, like magic, you're singing higher. This version features Doug Pinnock from the band King's X on lead vocals, Gary Hoey on guitar, Mike Porcaro from Toto on bass, now recently deceased in 2015, Greg Bissonette on drums, and one of my favorites, Derek Sherinian from Dream Theater and Planet X on keys. Doug Pinnock has no problem at all hitting the high notes here. There's actually a high scream later in this version that would make Mariah Carey jealous. I can't tell if that's the real deal or if it's manipulated in the studio, but it sounds killer. It's just after the four and a half minute mark if you want to check it out. So good, let me know what you think. Some amazing guitar work by Gary Hoey here too. So this is a bunch of incredibly talented musicians from the 2007 release, Pink Box, songs of Pink Floyd, doing their cover of Welcome to the Machine by Pink Floyd, right here on Pacific Northwest Radio.
I'm not usually the biggest fan of long, extended guitar solos, but when they're played with the passion and firepower of that last song, I'll make an exception any day. Gary Hoey has played on almost everyone's albums and released 20 albums of his own. He's had five top 20 hits on Billboard, and he's been called one of the top 100 guitarists in the world. And now you know who he is. Welcome back to Under the Covers again on green beans, mushroom soup, and strawberry ice cream. I'm your host, Mark Gladstone, and we're going back in time for me here. For quite a few years in the 90s, I played in a house band at a certain unnamed cabaret. It's torn down now anyway. But we played this version of the song coming up, and I sang it, so I guess we did a cover of the cover. It's originally by a band called Hot Chocolate, a band who had at least one hit per year in the UK charts from 1970 to 1984. The only other two artists able to do that were Elvis Presley and Diana Ross. Their song, You Sexy Thing, became the only track to make the British top 10 status in the 1970s, 1980s, and 1990s. And they were the original authors of the song, You Could Have Been a Lady, which was a big hit for Canadian band April Wine. They also penned a number six hit in the U.S. in 1979 called Everyone's a Winner, and that song went on to be covered by a Canadian band from Montreal called Boot Sauce. Boot Sauce was started in 1989 and lasted only about seven years, breaking up finally in 1996. Their style was funk mixed with rock and maybe a dash of metal in there sometimes. Known for their outlandish live show, they were part of the Big, Bad, and Ugly tour with Art Bergman in 1992. And that was also the year that they won the Juno Award for their single, their cover of Everyone's a Winner. They were also nominated for Most Promising Group the year before that in 1991. So here's Boot Sauce with their cover of Everyone's a Winner from 1990's The Brown Album, originally written and recorded by Hot Chocolate in 1978. You're listening to Pacific Northwest Radio. Baby, that's the truth. I'm making love to you. 
I miss that band. That was Boot Sauce, a band from Montreal, with their very funky version of Hot Chocolate's Everyone's a Winner. At the time this next song was originally released, in 1973, Steely Dan was a touring band. That only lasted for two years, however, and for many years after that, Steely Dan refused to tour. They're the only band I know of who did that, or didn't do that, I guess. The strangest thing is it didn't seem to affect their popularity. The string of hits is impressively long, but no live shows at all from 1974 until the band broke up in 1981. They reunited in 1993, however, and have toured steadily since then. Steely Dan has released nine studio albums, and every one of them have at least two singles released, 21 singles in all. There is also a live album, and seven compilation albums. The band has sold more than 40 million albums worldwide. In the year 2000, Ricky Lee Jones gave us her version of Showbiz Kids on her It's Like This album. The album consisted only of cover tunes, 
and the Steely Dan tune was the first song on the album. Ricky Lee Jones was nominated for Best Traditional Pop Vocal Album for It's Like This and made it onto three Billboard charts that year. I saw Ricky Lee Jones at the Rio Theatre in Vancouver two years ago. Her performance and the band's performance was well rehearsed and came off smooth and natural. The musicians in the band didn't take their eyes off her for the entire show, and I thought that she likely changes things whenever she feels like it. The band has to be ready to follow. She's definitely a free spirit up there. I remember her being almost a half hour late on stage, and despite the audience giving her a very enthusiastic encore, she didn't come back to the stage. Coupled with her stage performance, it made me think there may be some insecurity issues there. I don't know that for sure, though, but something, definitely not her voice or the music, something else was a bit off that night. This is Showbiz Kids, written by Donald Fagan and Walter Becker of Steely Dan in 1973, from the Countdown to Ecstasy album, but done here by Ricky Lee Jones from her It's Like This album, recorded in the year 2000. You're listening to Pacific Northwest Radio. Stars come out at night. Lost 
is making movies of themselves You know they don't give a fuck about anybody else great groove on that tune. The rhythm track with the bongos and the triangle being the dominant percussion and that amazing stand-up bass sound. Very cool version of Steely Dan's Showbiz Kids there, done by Ricky Lee Jones. Welcome back to Under the Covers again and Green Beans, Mushroom Soup and Strawberry Ice Cream. I'm your host, Mark Gladstone. Tonight's show is all cover tunes, most of them by familiar artists, like this next one. Stone Temple Pilots will be familiar to most of your listeners out there, but you may not have heard them play Led Zeppelin before. Led Zeppelin recorded the album Houses of the Holy in 1973. The song Dancing Days was inspired apparently by an Indian tune that Jimmy Page and Robert Plant heard while traveling in Bombay and was the first track from the album that was offered for radio play by Atlantic Records. Zeppelin played Dancing Days regularly during their 1972 tour, so before the actual release of the song. But once Houses of the Holy was released the following year, the song was mostly dropped from their live show. 22 years later, there was an album called Encomium released, also on Atlantic Records. All Led Zeppelin songs, all done by other artists, from Henry Rollins to Tori Amos to Blind Melon. Stone Temple Pilots landed a spot on that album too, with their version of Dancing Days. Despite not being released as a single, it was a radio hit, reaching number 63 on Billboard's Hot 100, as well as number 3 on the album Rock Tracks chart, number 11 on the Modern Rock Tracks chart, and number 46 on the Canadian Singles chart. Not too shabby, considering it was never even released as a single. So this is Dancing Days, originally by Led Zeppelin from the Houses of the Holy album, released in 1973, performed here by Stone Temple Pilots, found on the Encomium album, released in 1995, and you're hearing it here on Pacific Northwest Radio. Summer evenings grow 
Welcome back to Green Beans, Mushroom Soup, and Strawberry Ice Cream. I'm your host, Mark Gladstone, and tonight we're exploring cover tunes on a show called Under the Covers Again. I love the instrumentation Stone Temple Pilots used for the song I just played, Dancing Days. Led Zeppelin's version is much more rock, dirtier, and grungier than this one. I love that version too, but the pilot's use of a Congo drum and acoustic guitar lends it some cool factor. At the outset of this show, I mentioned there would even be a cover tune here done by the original band. That's the case with this next one. Chicago originally recorded 25 or 6 to 4 in 1970 on their second album titled simply Chicago with Peter Cetera on lead vocals. The song climbed to number 4 on the US Billboard Hot 100 chart and number 7 on the UK Singles chart. The original version features a guitar solo with a wah-wah pedal by the late Terry Kath, who shot himself in the head in 1978. Kath had major health issues due to drug abuse, but the death was ruled accidental. In 1986, Chicago recorded and released this version of 25 or 6 to 4. The accompanying video explains the origin of the title as well, laying to rest many years of speculation that the song was about drug quantities or even mystical illusion. Apparently, the original composer, Robert Lamb, was writing a song about trying to write a song in the middle of the night. So the title is a reference to the time, that's all, meaning 25 or 26 minutes before 4 a.m., 25 or 6 to 4. Maybe not very sexy or glamorous, but it is what it is. The song has been covered many times by the likes of Earth, Wind & Fire, Paul Gilbert, and Vince Neil, but this version is Chicago covering themselves. Check out the state-of-the-art studio tricks in this tune. State-of-the-art for 1986, that is. Lots of heavily processed, gated drums, digital enhancement, synthesizers, heavy compression, and effects. It definitely gives it a dated sound, placing it right at the end of the 80s, and you can hear it. Almost dates this version more than the original, which was 16 years earlier. So this is Chicago from 1986, covering Chicago from 1970. You're listening to Pacific Northwest Radio.
I love the original version of that tune, but the one I just played from 1986 has some stuff going on too. The harmonies are beautiful, and the horns take a more front and center stance here. It is Chicago, after all. You're listening to Under the Covers again on green beans, mushroom soup, and strawberry ice cream. The next song is also a cover tune done by the original artist. Almost, anyway. Counting Blue Cars was the first single by American band Dishwalla. It was the band's only hit song, making it onto the Billboard Hot 100 in 1996. It did well, though, peaking at number four on Pop Airplay and number five on Hot AC Airplay. It also peaked at number 15 on the Billboard Hot 100, showing longevity by remaining on the chart for nearly a year at 48 weeks. The song was featured in two films and two TV shows as well. So that was the original. Released on the album Pet Your Friends in 1995. The singer from Dishwalla, J.R. Richards, left the band officially in 2008, though the band hadn't recorded or performed anything since 2005. Richards put out a couple of solo albums as well as one album called Stripped, which was all Dishwalla's songs written by him and now recorded by him on his own. Very scaled-down versions of all these songs let his vocals be the center of attention. This version of Counting Blue Cars 
is only piano, cello, and violin, and, of course, J.R. Richards' vocal. I prefer this one to the original. From the 2016 album, Stripped, this is J.R. Richards covering his own band, Dishwalla's song, originally released in 1995. You're listening to Counting Blue Cars on Pacific Northwest Radio.
haunting quality that the original version didn't have, I think. Very cool. That was J.R. Richards with Counting Blue Cars, a cover of that song released in 2016 on his album Stripped. You're listening to Under the Covers again, and we're exploring cover tunes on this version of Green Beans, Mushroom Soup, and Strawberry Ice Cream. I'm your host, Mark Gladstone. This next artist made a career of covering songs. Unfortunately, we lost Joe Cocker in 2014 to lung cancer, but many refer to him still as the greatest rock soul singer ever to come out of Britain. His cover versions would often fare better than the originals, and his trademark voice, all gravel and raspy, had so much raw power and emotion, it's no wonder. Joe Cocker recorded his cover of the Beatles with a little help from my friends in 1968. Here's a quote from Sir Paul McCartney regarding Cocker's version after learning of his death in 2014. He was a lovely northern lad who I loved a lot and, like many people, I loved his singing. I was especially pleased when he decided to cover with a little help from my friends, and I remember him and producer Denny Cordell coming round to the studio in Seville Row in central London and playing me what they'd recorded, and it was just mind-blowing totally turned the song into a soul anthem, and I was forever grateful to him for doing that. The always humble McCartney, giving Joe Cocker credit for raising the bar on a song he'd originally written. Nice to hear stuff like that. The Beatles song was, of course, originally released on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band in 1967. Joe Cocker's original cover of the song features Jimmy Page on guitar and Procol Harum's drummer B.J. Wilson on drums. But this is one of the many live versions. You can find this on the album Joe Cocker Live. It was released in 1992. You're listening to it on Pacific Northwest Radio.
Oh! 
That is an incredible live version of that song. Huge power and passion in that voice. Joe Cocker with his cover of The Beatles with a little help from my friends from 1992. Pretty much the only thing he kept from the original were the lyrics. He changed the chord structure, he changed the melody, he even changed the time signature. The Beatles had it in 4-4 and Cocker changed it to a slower, more heartfelt 6-8. I find that after I hear the Joe Cocker version, it's hard to even imagine Ringo singing the original Beatles song. Just that patented Joe Cocker scream, which he lets loose four times in this version, that alone is enough to keep me coming back to this. It's gut-wrenching and rivals any of Daltrey's best, in my opinion. This next song was originally written and released in 1971 by Joni Mitchell, one of my favorite songwriters, Apparently, Nazareth also were big fans. They used to listen to Joni Mitchell's Blue album when they were traveling around to gigs in the van, and This Flight Tonight was one of their favorite songs from that album. Joni Mitchell herself was impressed with the cover. Pete Agnew, bassist with Nazareth, and today, sadly, the only original member, says that when Joni was recording at A&M, Nazareth was just starting an American tour, and they all happened to be in the same studio the day the single was released. The band was introduced to Joni and told her what they'd done with the song. She said, what, with a rock band? And afterwards, when This Flight Tonight had become a worldwide hit for Nazareth, she paid them the greatest compliment. She was playing a gig in London, and at the beginning of the show, she told the audience, 
I'd like to open with the Nazareth song. Yeah, definitely one of those examples I mentioned at the beginning of the show, where the original song is almost eclipsed by the success of its cover. I imagine a lot of people think this is a Nazareth original. Joni Mitchell wrote This Flight Tonight after the breakup between her and James Taylor. The song, however, isn't about the ending of the relationship, as some on the Blue Album are, but more a memory of the feeling of being apart and looking forward to being together again. Some of the rest of the album is not so optimistic, but Blue is regarded as one of the best albums in her catalogue. Some would say one of the best ever. Here's Joni's own words about the album. The Blue album, there's hardly a dishonest note in the vocals. At that period of my life, I had no personal defenses. I felt like a cellophane wrapper on a pack of cigarettes. I felt like I had absolutely no secrets from the world and I couldn't pretend in my life to be strong or to be happy. But the advantage of it in the music was that there were no defenses there either. There are many Joni Mitchell albums in my collection, but two of them stand out for me. One is Court and Spark, which I've played before on this show, and the other is Blue. Pick it up if you can still find it. Nazareth had the much bigger hit with this song, however. Topping the charts all over Europe and the UK, it was even in the top 100 for the year-end charts, so it had some staying power as well. So this is Nazareth from their 1973 album Loud and Proud, their cover of This Flight Tonight, originally written by Joni Mitchell and found on her Blue album, released in 1971. You're with Pacific Northwest Radio.
Welcome back to Green Beans, Mushroom Soup, and Strawberry Ice Cream. I'm your host, Mark Gladstone, and tonight we're peeking under the songwriter's sheets with Under the Covers again. See what I did there? Pretty clever, huh? So I've never played any classical music on this show. I'm not actually going to start now either, but almost. Frederick Chopin wrote a piece called Prelude in E minor, which was part of a series of 24 preludes he wrote between the years 1835 and 1839. So if I was playing the original, it would easily be the oldest song I've ever played on this show. He wrote a major and a minor prelude for every one of the 12 notes in the scale, making 24 preludes in all. Not exactly an original idea. Even back then, Johann Sebastian Bach had already done this in his Well-Tempered Clavier series, though Chopin did it in a slightly different manner, using something called the Circle of Fifths, which I won't go into here, but it's a little bit hipper. Musicians will know what I'm talking about. Anyway, these preludes were written mostly on the island of Majorca, and apparently Chopin had a copy of Bach's Well-Tempered Clavier with him on the island. Even back then, we borrowed ideas, paid homage, were influenced by those who came before us. I've taught this piece to many of my piano students, and it's always been a favorite of mine. I guess it was high on Chopin's list too, as it was apparently played at his funeral. He died at only 39 years old, possibly of tuberculosis, though that's been disputed many times. So more than 150 years later, along comes Alfie Zappacosta and his album, Dark Sided Jewel, released in the year 2000. Obviously by then, the original Chopin piece would be in the public domain and you'd no longer need to compensate the writer for covering the song. That's a good thing, it would have been tough. Still, I don't remember seeing a credit to Chopin on the Zappacosta album at all. I recognize the melody though. It's pretty distinct in that it doesn't actually move very much at all. It's the chords underneath the melody that move it and give it the illusion of change. Of course, there were no words in the Chopin prelude. It's a piano piece. So the song is Zappacosta's alone. He didn't actually cover that. But there's no doubt where the melody for this came from. Alfie Zappacosta is a friend, and I've never actually talked to him about this, but it would be cool to get his perspective. I've seen him play live, I think, five times now, and I've never heard him play this one. Anyway, it's beautiful. Maybe I'll request it next time I see him. So, a bit hard to describe, but let's say derived from Chopin's Prelude in E minor, Opus 28, which, of course, was never actually released, being it was from the mid-1800s, but it's been recorded many times since then, of course. This is Alfie Zappacosta from his Dark Sided Jewel album, released in 2000. This is In Your Arms on Pacific Northwest Radio. Words. 
piano intro to that song, incidentally, the only actual classical sounding part of that Zappa Costa song, is not actually part of the Chopin prelude. Beautifully played, though. You're back with Under the Covers again, and green beans, mushroom soup, and strawberry ice cream. I'm your host, Mark Gladstone, and we've arrived at the end of the show. I'm going to play one more cover tune here. The original version of this next tune will be very familiar to most. John Lennon wrote Imagine in 1971, and it was the biggest selling single of his career. BMI refers to it as one of the top 100 songs of all time. It's been played at countless ceremonies and benefits all over the world. It's received too many awards to list, and it's been covered over 200 times. That's amazing. I'm not sure there's another song with more cover versions than Imagine. Joan Baez, Diana Ross, Blues Traveler, Dave Matthews, Dolly Parton, Seal, Pink, Jeff Beck, Herbie Hancock, and this one, By a Perfect Circle. A Perfect Circle released their completely cover tune album, Emotive, in 2004. It's a collection of anti-war songs, and it was released on Election Day in the U.S. Among the covers on the album are Fiddle and a Drum by Joni Mitchell, and this one, Imagine, by John Lennon. A Perfect Circle is referred to as a rock supergroup, but it's mostly the brainchild of Tool vocalist Maynard James Keenan. You might not recognize this version if you just heard it in passing. Maynard changes the entire mood of the song to a much darker, more brooding tone in a minor key. The words are unchanged, though, so for such a recognizable song, it's identifiable for that reason alone. But that's about all that remains from the original. This is Imagine, a song written by John Lennon in 1971 and covered here by A Perfect Circle from the 2004 album Emotive. You're listening to Pacific Northwest Radio. Imagine there's no heaven And it's easy if you try No hell below us Above us only sky Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no country. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die.
Perfect Circle, with their cover of the tune Imagine, written by John Lennon, of course. You've been listening to Under the Covers again, and Green Beans, Mushroom Soup, and Strawberry Ice Cream, and me, your host, Mark Gladstone. Thanks for being with us tonight as we explored some really cool cover tunes. We'll probably do this again in the future. There's lots of really great covers out there. Don't forget about our other shows here at PNWR. There's a show every night except Saturday, at 9 p.m. and again at 11 p.m. And every show is now available for on-demand streaming or download. Just look for the words on-demand at the top right of our website page. Until next week, stay safe, support your local music scene, and keep listening. Keep listening.